Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's this week's message. This morning, our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 20 to 33. John 12, verse 20 to 33. Here we have the place where Jesus predicts his death on the cross. Uh, so it's certainly a, a turning point in his ministry here. John chapter 12, verse 20 to 33. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew told, and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. This is the word of God for us this morning. I like that term there. We wish to see Jesus. That's what it says there in John 12, verse 21. Some Greeks there. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. So that's the title of my sermon this morning. And the gospel lesson this morning is set in the context of the Jewish festival of Passover. I mentioned a couple Sundays ago that Passover was one of the holiest feast days of the Jewish faith. Tens of thousands of, of faithful pilgrims would flock to the temple from all over the Mediterranean to celebrate Passover, making their sacrifices to God and, and paying their half-shekel temple tax. They'd come from as far away as Persia, Syria, Egypt, Greece, and Rome. And this is the setting of our text today. John says, Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And this morning we're going to explore that simple request. We wish to see Jesus. Isn't it true we, wouldn't we all in one way or another like to see Jesus? Wouldn't we all like to get a first-hand glimpse of him? To see him up close and personal? The kind of man he was, to hear his voice, observe his mannerisms, 
follow his train of thought. Wouldn't we all like to see Jesus? Of course, that's why we asked the question. But the question is, why? Why would we like to see Jesus? Well, I can think certainly of a few reasons. The first of it, of course, is curiosity. I think that's uh, what's going on here in this passage. John says that among the crowd who had come to the holy city to celebrate Passover was a small group of Jews from Greece. They zeroed in on Philip, probably because he had a Greek surname and was from Bethsaida, which is a fishing village on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And there were plenty of Greeks there. Although we're not told why these Greeks wanted to see Jesus, I think it's safe to assume they'd heard about him and wanted to meet him face to face. Perhaps they'd gotten wind of his teaching or heard about some of the miracles he had performed. There's no indication that they wanted to be disciples or make any particular commitment to him. More than likely, they were simply curious. Who was this incredible man who calmed the storm and walked over water? who had healed the sick and brought the dead back to life. I'd say they were curious. That's all. Now, to be sure, curiosity is a good thing. It's often the motivating force of research and discovery. Curiosity may have killed the cat, as they say, but for the most part, it feeds that innate longing we have to solve mysteries, unlock secrets, and broaden our horizons. See, one of the current trends in the church today is to make allowance for the fact that often people who first come to church come out of a sense of curiosity. They're curious to know more about God and Jesus, the church and what it stands for. They want to know more about this covenant relationship that binds us together as one family of faith. They're curious, but not committed. So some churches have developed what they call seeker services. Services designed for people not familiar with the liturgy we use and the hymns we sing and the acts of praise, such as the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, that we pray together. But it's an effort to meet people where they are and introduce them slowly to the rudiments of worship rather than have them dive in head first. But there's another reason people wish to see Jesus, and that is, like so many of our heroes, he's bigger than life. Unlike the rabbis of his time, he taught as one with authority. He broke the rules of social convention and ate with tax collectors and sinners. He deferred to no one, not even Herod. He dared to touch lepers and walk among Gentiles. He had compassion for the poor, yet showed no contempt for the wealthy. He put down the religious leaders for their false piety and by contrast held a child in his arms and said, whoever becomes humble like this child will be greatest in the kingdom of God. We all need role models. And when you think about it, you couldn't find a better role model than Jesus. He always seemed to know the right thing to say. When the Pharisees tried to trip him up, he saw right through them. For example, they handed him a coin and asked him whether they ought to pay taxes to Caesar. If he said no, he'd be in trouble with the state. If he said yes, he'd be in trouble with the church. What do you do? But he knew what they were up to. And what did he say? 
Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. He always knew what to say. He always knew what to do. Another time, the religious leaders brought a woman before him who they, uh, uh, you know, she'd be caught in uh, uh, adultery, and uh, which is an offensible punishment. Uh, death uh, is what the, the punishment is for that. And they wanted to know what he thought they should do. Again, if he showed mercy, they could accuse him of not upholding the law. But if he condemned her, he'd prove to be one of them. What do you do? Well, he kneeled down and scribbled in the sand. And as he did, he said, Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And what happened? One by one, they all slipped away because there wasn't a soul among them who wasn't guilty of sin. Jesus is the person we'd all like to be more like, isn't he? Think about it. You never hear of Jesus going back to apologize for something stupid that he may have said or done. You never hear of Jesus wishing he had a better job, a bigger house, a nicer robe, a new pair of sandals. Unlike us, he lived as one with God. He had his priorities straight. His approval and his riches were not of this world. And so, like the Greeks so long ago, we wish to see Jesus, if only for the momentary inspiration of seeing the embodiment of this ideal person we would aspire to be more like. The catch is, according to John, the Greeks never got an audience with Jesus. Philip took their request to Andrew, and together Andrew and Philip told Jesus, but Jesus didn't say yes or no. Instead, he said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. In this odd and cryptic sort of way, Jesus takes our curiosity and our admiration and elevates them to something more significant and transforming. And this is the good news of the gospel this little band of Greeks will get to see Jesus all right, as we will, not as an object of curiosity, not as a hero, but as the Savior of the world, high and lifted up on a cross for all to see. And what this means is that to see Jesus is not simply to look at a historical figure, impressive as he may be but to hold the Christ as one crucified for the sins of the world in order to offer salvation to all who would call upon his name. Like Moses placing a serpent on his staff and holding an eye for all the people to see, Jesus is the signpost pointing to us to God and to a life of self-surrender in love and service to others. He is the promise of our deliverance from sin and death the herald of a new creation calling us to a life of faithfulness 
and obedience to God. And this is his message in a nutshell. Those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus himself showed the way. He voluntarily surrendered his life in obedience to God, trusting God to provide. In so doing, he not only defeated the powers of sin and death, but was raised from the dead as the first fruits of eternal life. To see Jesus then or now is to see him crucified for the sin of the world and in response to lay down our lives for the sake of others. This is what we do, figuratively speaking, every time we gather at the Lord's table. We participate in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We remember how his body was sacrificed and his blood was shed for the remission of sins. And we take the bread and drink the cup in remembrance of him. And being renewed in faith, we go out by God's grace to be the body of Christ in the world today looking for signs of his presence along the way. Let us close with a prayer this morning. Open our eyes, Lord, we want to see Jesus. But take us past the point of curiosity and past the point of hero worship and let us see Jesus for who he is, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, faithful and true, the way, the truth, and the life. Help us to come to him so that we may have abundant life. And as God has forgiven our sins, let us go joyfully into God's world, offering his love, forgiveness, and peace. Let us go in peace this morning, and the peace of God will go with us. Amen.